Okay, everyone, we are live. Welcome to round three on the new heaven and the new earth. A brighter world that is being prepared as we speak, ready to reveal itself. Um, so we're continuing what we've been learning the last two weeks. This is in Lakuti Torah, Shir Hashirim, all the way in the end, the last discourse in Lakuti Torah. On, it starts on page 96 or on page Memches Amid Dalit. We've learned already two pages. And we are holding on page 98, um, second column, by the parentheses, Ubir Inyan. Ubir um, Inyan. Okay. So listen to the last first two classes to get the to get the the um, flow of it. Let me just say the point. Point was that man was created in order to invite God into the world, and God's invitation into the world first takes place that He's invited into the Garden of Eden before before man starts to do his work. Only Hashem's radiance and a small limited radiance shines into the Garden of Eden, shines into the paradise where the souls enjoy that light. But it's only a ray. And the reason it, why it's only a ray is because we can't handle more than a ray. So as a creation, as a limited being, we couldn't handle more than a ray. But God goes and creates the physical Adam and Eve and puts them in the Garden of Eden, which those days were physical, a lower manifestation of the Garden of Eden, of Gan Eden, in order for them to learn Torah and do mitzvot, like it says, to work and to guard the garden. And via doing that, um, which as we learned in the last two weeks, only souls enclosed in bodies have that power to be able to trigger the descent that God himself should come visit Gan Eden. Like happens every midnight, it says, that God comes to visit himself. It's not just the pleasures of his light, but he himself comes to the Garden of Eden to visit and to spend time with the souls. Now, eventually, that means, as we're going to see, he doesn't only stay in the Garden of Eden, which is the spiritual world. He's invited all the way down here to earth. And it's not just a light of him, but it's him himself. Um, now, in order to provoke that in order to engage that <clears throat> we learned that it requires why is it only the souls on earth that can do that because we learned that in order to do in order to invite god in we need a we need something that triggers him to trigger him being that he's god himself is infinitely beyond the creation so we need a type of a a pull or a trigger that can transcend the limitations of creation and reach out into the infinite, can send shock waves up into the infinite. And that requires, therefore, the love of the soul, but only the love of the soul that is not a reasonable love, not a love that's based on any kind of a, an appreciation of who God is, because that will always be finite with the according to the mind according to the constraints of a limited mind let it be the celestial beings above but it, even celestial beings are still limited 
and therefore their appreciation, which is which is fueling their love, is also limited. Which means that the shock waves that their love is creating, or the waves that the their loves that their love is creating, is only limited waves, which don't vibrate into the infinite. In order to send vibrations into the infinite, um, one needs to have a limitless rapture of love. That kind of love only comes through darkness. In other words, it comes from the essence of the soul, not the design of the soul, not the, not the powers of the soul. We, it requires the unearthing of the very bare, bare essence of the soul. When it cries, when it, when it and what causes us to, to cry, it gets stressed out by the darkness. And that happens in this world because we are so blocked, because our souls get so constricted for that very reason. When we finally break through and we cry, we cry out from such a deep place and it's a limitless awakening. And he, and that's what touches God. And that's what invites God and attracts him and brings him down. How is he supposed to know in his infinite self that anybody even wants him? So we need to send him that message. We can only send them that message from the transcendental love of our soul, which we learned is called the heaven in our soul. That's the meaning of when it says, Hashemayim Kisi, the heavens are my throne, which means just like a, so, a throne invites someone to sit down on it, which causes the lowering down of the king onto the throne. In this case, God has to, has to endlessly lower himself down that to move into the creation that he himself should be present in the creation not just his energies but he himself should come down into the creation he needs to be he needs he needs the heaven the heaven is that part of our soul like we learned in last week's class the fire of our soul remember we said the heaven is primarily made up of fire that rutso that desire that that longing that 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 um that super rational insane love that's our heaven in us and that's what triggers the love that's a summary kind of what we learned and uh obviously with so much so much rich explanation so now we're going to explain we'll continue further we'll be Indian, and the explanation is as follows Oh, I do want to read over the last few lines. So according to what we learned already, because that's what he's explaining now, according to this explanation, the heavens are his throne. Is the heaven means the heaven inside of us. Our, our soul has a earth and a heaven. Remember, I'll, 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 I'll clarify, I'll make this a little more, refresh your memories for those who learned were here last week. That the soul has, we know, has five parts to it. Three of the parts of the soul, three of the dimensions of the soul are vested in our human consciousness. They are vested in our bodies. And that's why that's called the earth of us. And then two parts of the soul called the chai and the yechida, the chachma and the keter of our soul. The chai and the yechida, those are transcendental elements of our soul. And that's called the heaven. And, and, and when we are in the darkness, that's what triggers these deepest, these transcendental energies of the soul. That even souls when they're in heaven don't know about it, don't feel it. 
don't tap their own infinite lights. And that, that heaven, that, that dimension of soul, he, he said that in prayer it's called love God not only with all your heart, not only with all your soul, but with all your might. With all your might, that's the yechida. That's what sends, that's what pulls Hashem down. Love, love God. Draw Him down. Draw Him to you. So according to that, the heaven is our heaven, our transcendence, our transcendent soul. <laughs> However, he added one little point in, in the last, and I said it very briefly because I was literally falling asleep, falling, falling asleep last week at the end of the class. I was sleep talking <laughs> by the time I got to this part. So let's go back a few lines. Umihu uh, hagoyrim Just I was going to start Obira Indian halfway for the parentheses on page 98, but just a tiny bit a little bit before that. In the beginning of a line, the line before that ends with a parenthesis, with the word ban. And this is, and who is the one that causes? That this throne, that God should lower himself down to descend into the, first into the Garden of Eden these days, and eventually manifest himself fully and down here on the earth as well. We're going to get to that later. And that the Ze'er Anpin, that means what we call HaKadosh Baruch Hu, the male side of God, not just a ray of him that's called the Shekhinah. Shekhinah is only a ray of God. But the, the Hashem himself, that's called the Ze'er HaKadosh Baruch Hu, or referred to as Ze'er Anpin, which means the emotions of God that are higher than creation. Who causes them to descend below? To sit on the throne because um, who sits on the throne? The king is sitting on the throne, which is the, 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 the God as God already is in, a, in, is in an image of a person, but yet an infinite man. He sits on the throne. So who causes him to sit down on the throne? Who is heaven. So we understood it. It means our heaven. We pulled him. But now he adds another, another nuance. Our heaven triggers the divine heaven. And the divine heaven compels the supernal man that's lower than the divine heaven, that lives between heaven and earth. Where does the human live? Where does the human, the physical human being, the earthly human being live? We live on top of planet earth, between earth and heaven. And the space between, closer to earth, obviously, but between earth and heaven. Now, if we are created in the image of God, so there is in the supernal realms also the supernal man, which is not God in, in his essence, but it's God as he, as he emanates himself into an image. That supernal man also lives unbeneath the supernal heaven. And what's the supernal heaven? It's the transcendental infinite light of God. Okay? So the Shekhinah is only a ray. Then there is the Hashem himself, but in a in a in a in a form, God himself as he's already contained in vessels, not a ray, but still as he is contained in vessels. And then there is the encompassing infinite light of God 
unrestricted in vessels, beyond sefirot, beyond attributes, and that's called keser, and it's also called hashamayim. So what causes the supernal man, who are the, is, which is the sefirot, the attributes, that are infinitely higher than creation, even although they're attributes, but they're infinitely higher than creation, that they should sit down on a throne or that he should sit down, he is they, because it's a configuration of, a, of six sefirot, that he should sit down on that throne and, 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 and funnel himself down to the world. Who We invited him with our heaven, but he needs his heaven to push him down. In other words, a higher level of the divine compels the lower level of the divine to descend down. Kesser, the crown, compels the Za'er Ankin, the six emotions, to descend. Um, let's read it. Vishayishpalu Amida Islamata Leshevalakise to sit on the throne. Upchenashamayim, that's the heaven. What does that translate as? That translates God's super will. His will compels his emotions to descend. Because the natural tendency of the emotions is to gravitate upward. That's their natural tendency. The supernal man above, his natural tendency is to look higher than himself. To gaze up to the infinite. He's not interested in descending downward onto the throne, into the, into the silly creation. So he needs to be, something needs to charge him to do that. And who charges him to do that? His the supernal will, which will is keter, the crown. So that's the meaning. Hashemayim, the heavens compel him kisi to sit down on a throne. Not that the heavens are the throne. The heaven is what pushes him down onto the throne. Which is the supernal will bless the Zibchanasmakif, which is the encompassing light, Al Hakelim, which is still a level of the energy that is above any container, any vessel. This level of God is not even containable or cannot enclose itself in any vessels. From there comes the push, from there comes. The, the 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 demand from there comes the 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 force so to speak uh this is what causes the sitting and this descent now why is that this is where we stopped last week and we continue and the explanation of the matter is so let's get a better understanding Of what is this throne? We have to appreciate it metaphysically. This is not a throne, a physical throne. So what does it mean, a throne? So he explains. Kiyakise, because the throne, who parsa, is the partition, namafsik benatzilus labria. The throne is a partition, is a filter, a screen that separates between the world of emanation, which is divine, which is the realm of the godly, and 
the world of creation, the, the, which are the three lower worlds which make up creation consciousness, a separate consciousness. So here you have now a, a partition, a barrier. Mafsik, it interprets. Now, we would think that the purpose of that filter is to block the revelation. That's what a filter does. It's a screen. It's placed, and it's true, it has that function. Externally, it's meant to, so to speak, cover on God's, on God's omnipresence, on God's exclusivity, block that truth from being revealed, diminishing the truth, so that creation can, can find its own space, that we should have a space to exist. Yes, that's one function of the filter. So it's, the filter is meant to lessen the divine presence in the world. But on a much deeper level, the internal element of the filter is not meant as a block, but it's meant as a throne, which means a means through which he can actually descend into the creation. On the one hand, yes, yeah, it's a filter. But on the other hand, it's, a, it's actually serving as a funnel. It's almost like if I wanted to take I wanted to take the water that's in this bottle and pour it into the cup. So this bottle, okay, this bottle is not the best example because it's not such a big pail. But if it was a huge pail, imagine a much bigger pail, then I want to put it into the cup. Then, 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 um, and if I pour it, it wouldn't go into the cup because it's such a huge, uh, the water is coming out from such a wide, from such a broad um, um, utensil that it would just pour out usually and most of the water would spill around and wouldn't even go into the cup. So what needs to be, it has to get narrow on the top like you watch a bottle, narrow like this. When it's narrow like this, it's filtering, it's holding back, but the very holding back is allowing the, the so this acts as an interface, as, a, as an enabler for it, for it to descend. So the point of here is like this, to be for God to be able to translate himself into the creation, not just his projected lights, his light, okay, yeah, the creations can handle that to a certain degree. But for something much more than that to come into the world, if God would come into the, into the creation as is, creations would be destroyed instantly. And therefore, it, it, we couldn't... So that's the purpose of the throne, which the throne acts as a constrictor. It, it, it's, it, it's almost like God is softening his impact through the, through the, through the throne. Like physically, or chair, when a person is standing, they're far more forceful. Person is speaking, they're standing up, they're forceful. They're sitting down means they're, 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 they're softening their, their they're, you know, when a person is very angry and they really want to make a state, they stand up and they shout because then you're giving off yourself with the full force. Sitting down is already a softer stand. The God is by sitting down, he's 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 weak, he's diminishing his power so it could be handleable. So he sits on the throne and then it can be transferred. The example that he's gonna give is is the example of the example. 
he's using the example of an example for this as this example. <laughs> In other words, he's using the concept of a metaphor. When a teacher has an idea that is too lofty, too intense, too strong for the student to hear, and, this, and if the teacher would allow the idea that is as brilliant, as sharp, as strong as it is, as the teacher's mind can handle it, and the teacher would plug their mind directly into their student's mind and pass the idea right over to the student, they're going to fry the brain of their students. In other words, the students are going to be so, so, so burnt by the intensity of it, and they're probably not going to enjoy the lesson, and they're probably not coming back again. Just too much, too intense, too strong. So the teacher has an option. They can either not teach or they can take subjects that are not as intense. And they can give that, which students can handle. But that's not the real devoted teacher because the teacher wants to really teach the complete brilliance that they have but they have to figure out a, a way in which they can teach such a brilliant idea without, without electrocuting the students, without overwhelming, without blowing the fuse of the, of, the, of the student's mind. That's where the metaphor comes. The metaphor is to take a very, very powerful idea and to camouflage it, to set it up in a, in a, in a, in a, in a certain screen with a certain filter when it's coming to the student via the filter, it weakens it enough. It doesn't, it's, it's condensing it and weakening it, weakening it and making it pal palatable, so to speak, to the world of the student that they're able to receive it. And eventually the student is able to actually remove the, the metaphor and get, get, the, get the internal element of it and then have the mind of the teacher. But that's the point of the man. So the throne, which is, as he explained earlier, is the partition, is God interfacing with the creation through metaphors. That's the concept of a throne. But here's the thing. Here's the thing. Metaphors, a proper and a correct metaphor, is not is not easy to make actually harder than the very than the very than the very conception of a concept to be able to take the right and make a correct metaphor and therefore only the wisest of the wise were creative in making the right metaphors king solomon we discussed many times spoke 3,000 metaphors. Rebbe Mayer would teach with 300 metaphors. So to be able to create a metaphor, you need to really, really, really understand something very, very deep. And so here comes out an amazing thing. The root and the source of the metaphor, which seems to be so external and so superficial because it's only a silly metaphor compared to the concept, the root of the metaphor is deeper than the idea that it's, that it's conveying. That's like the garment is really coming from a higher place than what it is garbing. So now we understand what we're saying earlier. 
that in order for the supernal man above to find himself a good metaphor and to descend onto that throne, which is the metaphor, it needs to come from a place higher than the supernal man above. It needs to come from the heavens above, from Kesser, which that's what provides where the metaphor comes from to allow the throne to happen. So, which the throne means this ability to be able to translate something through a camouflaging uh, metaphor, but that creation of that itself is from a very high place. So now we understand, Hashamayim Kisi, to create the Kisi, to create the throne, you have to reach Shamayim into your, into your supermind. There is the mind and there is the supermind. The supermind creates the metaphors. That's why we always say that from the students, the teacher themselves becomes smarter, wiser. Why? Because the student forces the teacher to give metaphors. And when the teacher is forced to give a metaphor, the teacher must dig, dig deep, deep, deep into their, into their mind to levels of understanding that they never understood. Knows the teacher's conscious, conscious uh, brilliance and conscious mind is 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 doesn't is is external to what the teacher's deepest potential is. But the teacher needs a student that will prompt who needs a metaphor that forces the teacher to extract the right metaphor. The teacher really needs to understand the concept on such a deep level. So the source of the throne is in the heavens. The throne itself is lower, but where does it come from? Like the metaphor is much lower. It's a silly story. You can't compare it with the deep, with the deep idea that's being conveyed. But its source is from a higher place. So now let's read it inside. Because the throne is the partition of that interrupts and separates between the world of emanation and the world of creation, which in it, and through it, and precisely and only through it, this is what draws down that the lights of Atzilus, the lights of emanation, should descend the Bibria into creation. Which is the case, if there wasn't this partition, it wouldn't be possible at all for the, for the, for the worlds of Atsilos to connect to, to the worlds of creation. They would be worlds apart and they could never communicate one with each other. And an example to the concept of, of Atsilos and Brian not being crossable that the lights of Atsilos cannot descend into, into, the, into the range of creation. It's like a barrier that is not crossable, unbridgeable. Well, that existed in the world of Tohu. In the world of Tohu, which is a preliminary world, the world of chaos that came before the, it came before the current system called the system of rectification, the world of Tikkun. So in the world of Tohu, existed the concept of the of Atsilus, Bria, Yetzirah, and Asiya all existed in, in Toh. 
Torah is an entire realm in which kind of its entire original structure of creation, but in a chaotic way. And there, in that world, there was no passageway between Atsilus to Bria. Why? Because there was no throne. There was no interface. Why was there no interface? Because there was no, there was no, um, because of the extremeness. What's toe? Toe is very extreme. Everything is felt with intensity. A toe is a world of extremism as opposed to tikkun, which is a world of compromise. So toe is a world of my way or the highway. So the lights of Atsilos, it's like a teacher or a, a, a person who's stubborn in, 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 in the brilliance of the idea and they want to demand the students, you better, you better take it as it is. I'm not giving you a, a metaphor. Take it or leave it. Because the teacher feels like squeezing themselves in a metaphor is silly. Oh, they're frustrated. They don't want to do it. They're too extreme in the, in the, in the, in the, in the, in the purity. They're purists. They want to keep the purity of it. They don't want to, they don't want to water it down. But at, that's at the cost of not being able to communicate. So it takes a humility to be able to. And then Toh was a world of arrogance. I'm not real arrogant. You're talking about a divine realm, but there was no, there was no compromise. And therefore, there was no trend. The, the divine realm was not willing to compromise into a metaphor to be able to channel himself down to a lower world. God didn't want to put on miniature clothing. He wanted to remain in his full power. So there was no communication. Comes the world of Tikkun and introduces the concept of a metaphor. And conduces the idea that you could. You gotta relax. You gotta, you know, soften it, and, and then, then you can you can pass over. That's the tikkun. It's like in the world of Tayu, there was no connection, his chabrus of an attachment, the giloi atzilus, and a, the revelation of the of the atzilus of tohu, never connected to the bria of tohu, to the creation element of tohu. In my recollection. And I can't remember, I can't say because I, I, I probably forgot so much. But in my recollection, I don't remember ever in all the Hasidists that I've taught all the years that I saw the concept that in Tohu there is Atsilus and Bria of Tohu. Chesed of Tohu, Spheros of Tohu, we always talk about. But that there is four worlds and there is an Atsilus of, in Tohu itself, there is an Atsilus, a world of emanation and a world of Bria. And this concept that these two realms don't, didn't connect in Tohu. I don't recall seeing that anywhere. So many of these concepts are just, they come around like a merry-go-round again and again and again and again and various different things. This particular concept, I don't remember seeing. To me, it looks like it's an original concept in this mimer. But in order for, in the world of Tikkun, in the world of rectification, in the current order, in order that there should be this attachment so this requires the partition. It requires a self-screening, a self-limiting, which is, and what's that parsa? It's similar to a concept of a metaphor. And okay, Indian, and where do we find that concept that the 
that the, the partition serves as an as a integration to integrate. You find we find that Moshe goes up into the cloud. So what is that? What, what does it mean Moshe went when he went up to heaven? He went up through a cloud. What does he need a cloud for? Go to heaven. The point is heaven means the divine. Moshe's, Moshe is in this world in the realm of creation. So for, for a creation to go up into the divine, there needs to be a the opposite. We're talking before for the teacher to come down into the world of the student, there needs to be a metaphor. There needs to be a, a, a diminishment. Same is also for the student to rise into the world of the teacher. The student has to go through this, 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 this interface state. Okay, and you know, Marshall, and this is similar to the metaphor, the parable, the metaphor, with through which, with that metaphor, and, and only through the metaphor, is it possible to comprehend the, a, an idea, a foreign idea, a lofty idea. And even though temporarily, when you're putting a, a brilliant, bright, spiritual concept, let's say, and you're using a physical example for it, temporarily you're, you're darkening it, you're lessening it, you're, it's, it's, it's not, so that's, that's temporarily. But this is the only means, like we said earlier, you know, you want to give water, you want a lot of water, but the only way to pour it from the big over here is that it got to go through the constrictor. Without the constrictor, without that little funnel on the pail, that little part, then it doesn't work. So it has to in order to be able to give. In Siba, this is the cause or the reason through the medium of the of the marshal, of the metaphor that one can uh, uh, comprehend. Which isn't the case when there isn't the metaphor. You can't grasp it at all. In came comes out the concealment of the metaphor who siba sagiloi. That itself is the siba, that itself is the cause of the revelation. The very concealment itself is the is the cause of the revel of, of the revelation. MS and in truth, Shirish Parsizu Nimshach. Now, now that we know that we need the metaphor. Now he's going to take the, the next step that we spoke earlier. That in order to create a metaphor, the metaphor itself has to come from the from a very, very high level in one's brilliance. Because without that, if you're if you're understanding something superficially, you don't have an exam, you don't have metaphors for it. Usually the deepest people have their qualities are that they can they can give metaphors. The root of this partition is derived from a very high place like says in the mimer in the mimer is beautiful because that's a mimer of pashas so even though we're not learning torah or it's pashas now but we got connected to the mimer of now i know why i stopped over here last week i was really planning to go to the end because we needed to connect to Torah or Pashas Lech Lech. It's a beautiful mimer. 
called Vivdila Parochas. I remember when I taught it back in the days of Beis Petzal. In any case, we're, there he's talking all about the bris milah, the, the circumcision, which has to do with the partition and so on and so forth. And over there he explains how the source of the, the, the partition is higher than what it is partitioning for. Vizau Inyan, and this is the idea of Hashemayim Kisi, that all, what can create the throne, which the throne, as we said before, is that metaphor. The throne is the interface. You need to go very high. You have to go above the one who sits on the throne. You have to go to the heaven, to the Keter element, and from there draw that down. Zawa Shamayim Kisi, Sha'al Yadei Shamayim through heaven which means the supernal heavens. But how do you get to the supernal heavens? How, how do you trigger that? You trigger that through your own heaven, which we said earlier means your supernal level of tshuva. Activating our highest point of our soul, our yechidah shebenefesh, our, our deepest essential core, shayidei tshuva Allah through this higher tshuva, which is ratzana elyon, which is our higher will. When our will for God is not emanating from our, from our minds, from our limited selves, but our our will desire for God is emanating from our core being, then that's called our supernal will. That triggers God's supernal will, which is what's what is necessary for these for the throne to be constructed. From there we draw forth. The throne, the Zao Indian, and this is the meaning of Soilu Leroichev Ba'aravois, a Pasuk, a verse in Psalms in Tehillim. I think Psalm 68, it says Soilu praise Leroichev Ba'aravois to the one who rides in the heavens. What does it mean he rides in the heavens? Just like a rider also sits on a horse. So what God's descent, and he's riding down into creation, that's what I think it would mean over here, God's descent to ride down. Sometimes this concept of sitting is also given the example that he uses horses to carry him down. Where is he doing? Aravos is one of the names for the heavens. So Solu, praise the one. What does it mean, praise? Stimulate that he should ride down in the heavens through activating your own heaven. And then you'll cause the throne to descend into the heaven. Because Shemoy in, in, in Ka is his name. Now Yudke itself is the higher letters of God's name. In other words, reaching very high in order to stimulate the heavens. Look in Ramaz, Sefer of Ramosha Zakusi, a Pirish on the Zohar in Parshas Trum. We can also add and say, regarding the heavens on my throne, Based on what it says elsewhere in the explanation. On the verse in Pasha's Emor, where it says, I will become sanctified amongst the Jewish people. When we say three times Kadosh, so when we do the Amida prayer and we do, um, we all rise to say the uh, Kedusha. Uh, so this is one of the. Uh, most loftiest moments during prayer. So we say three times, holy, holy, holy. We also say it actually in the prayer itself before the, in the blessings of the Shema, holy, holy, holy. So, the, and we're, we're reciting what the angels say. The angels say, holy, holy, holy. 
So regarding the Zohar talks about what's the significance of the three times holy. So the, over there we learned that what the first time Kadosh, the Istalik Vav, that that is, the Zohar says, is a, it's an energy of histalkos. It's an energy of ascent. Histalik over here means ascending light. What does that mean? That the Vav, we say Kadosh. Kadosh is spelled Kuf, Dalid, Vav, Shin. There is Kodesh and there is Kadosh, which we learned many times. So, um, Kadosh with a Vav, with the letter Vav, means that that the, the power of the Vav, the Vav is the six emotions of God, called HaKadosh Baruch Hu. That's why it's called Kadosh. In, 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 let's translate it into the way we were talking about this today. The man, the supernal man above is called Kadosh. Configuration of Sphiroti, the Zeir Anpin, God as he contains himself in vessels. However, when that energy rises higher and reaches up to the heaven above it, in other words, when the Zeir Anpin wants to go into the Erech Anpin, when there is an elevation, the energy that is contained in vessels soars upward out of the vessels to reach all the way into the infinite. It's rising upward. That's the idea of istalic. So it's, in a sense, a journey away from creation, away from containers, away from heaven and earth, away into, into the infinite self, into the infinite heights. So it says, the istalic vav, raza de shemayim ilohim, the supernal heavens are rising upward. Le'ela, higher and higher. That's the first Kadosh. So the first Kadosh is a retraction. Not a projection, but a retraction. God is pulling himself in, higher, away. But why do we want that? The answer is, what's triggering that is really our 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 yearning to break out of our constraints. It, it, it's, we, spoke, we spoke earlier, this, this super, supernatural love, the super rational love, the fire of the soul, the chuva of our soul, the rapture of our soul that we can't bear the constrictions anymore. We just want to melt into God's infinity. That energy causes above also that same energy to rise up. But the reason for it is not, it's not the purpose is not the escape, the removal. The purpose is to stimulate the descent from a much higher place. And, 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 and from that higher place, there is the infusion. There is the, 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 the flow of, of the infinite light, more potent and more stronger than ever before, but to descend down, like we spoke earlier about Hashem going down onto the throne, descending. So, so there we learn like this. The first Kadosh is meant to trigger. And then afterwards, Nahar, that, it, that light that has, a, that has retracted and run, and run up to the highest, highest place, now it's submerged in the infinite. Now it reemerges, refreshed, reinvigorated, far more intense, recharged, 
back. And afterwards, that supernal light illuminates outward. Where to Al Kursayu onto the throne? It's this idea. First, we have to. First, we have to trigger it, trigger the transcendence, trigger the infinite, and then it. The purpose is not, however, just shaking it up there. The purpose is to direct it down, and that's the second time, Kodesh. The Iu Shamayim, we bring him down onto the throne which the throne is called heaven. So that's Hashemayim Kisi. The throne is, the heavens are my throne. And now he's called holy with, with a vav. That means that the vav is no more in a state of ascendance, but in a state of down. But it, it has within it the energies of transcendence, the energies of the higher lights. It's descending now down. Ayin Shah. And over there it's explained. That the Vav departs. This is the concept. What does this mean that the Vav departs? This is the concept that we trigger within ourselves a desire to depart our, our constraints. To depart our limited selves, our constricted selves. Our, our, this is the idea. Of Mesiris Nefesh, of, of our 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 Mesiris Nefesh, our um, giving ourselves over, dissolving ourselves in God's unity. By your days and through this Nimshach. And what does this cause? To bring about, we know, it's a mystical concept of Arizal, that, what, that when we say Shema Yisrael, Hero Israel, and we have in mind and we experience it, with Mesiras Nefesh, which means this desire to like just be one with the with the infinite oneness, and then go and, and even leave our bodies. That's the idea. We give ourselves or we melt ourselves back into our source. What does that cause? That's what triggers a unity between Chachma and Bina. What's Chachma? Chachma is the is 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 a state of existence, a state of divine energy that's not yet in vessels. Like in our own minds, a flash, a flash of, of light, not really processed yet. It's above the West vessels. Bina is already understanding that's containers and vessels. In order to connect God and to awaken the transcendental infinite lights of Chachma. Now, when we discussed this many times, whenever there's a unity of Chachma and Bina, the target is not Chachma. What we really mean is. Achma, as it connects to Keter, as it connects to higher, to the deeper element of Keter, as it connects to Atik Yomin, the ancient of days, as it connects to Reisha del Radla, Reisha del in the head that's not revealed, as it goes higher and all the way into to the infinite light before the Tzimtzum, all the way up into Atzmus Mamish, to the essence of God. The point over here is to capture the, capture everything, capture, to awaken, to stir, to bring down Hashem Himself, and then connect that with vessels. But in order to stir the pot, you need a zinger. And the zinger, and the zinger is our, our eruption, our desire. So that's the first kadosh. It's the, 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 the violent, you might say, a, 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 a rapture of the soul to, to, to break free from the body. 
to 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 completely um 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 reject the constrictions to free itself up from all this from all this darkness by your day's end only that nimshach yichud ava brings the unification of father and mother and that brings new light into creation it brings light that's from outside the spiritual cosmos because you're bringing something new you're bringing infinity into the world you're not staying within the box you're taking from with what's with outside the box nimtza comes out that the heaven which is which is this the first kadosh that has a connection to the higher teshuva because that's what it means the higher teshuva the higher teshuva is a reabsorption of self into the infinite Ella, so that's shamaya but then what does it have to cause it has to cause the opposite that's 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 good as a as a trigger you're not supposed to leave it over there because the point over here is not to be reabsorbed in the infinite the point of it is to bring the infinite down here Ella, but rather when we say the heavens are my throne it means now that transcended light should sit down on the throne should convey itself, should descend into the world. When the light then is drawn down from up down into the world. Look at the verse. Sparkle and shine. I didn't look up the Zohar, so I don't can't tell you. That Hashem sits on his throne that is called Shamayim. Based on this, we can explain more. Now, going back to Adam and Chava, Adam and Eve, that were placed into the Garden of Eden in order to stimulate this stimulation. That's why God created them. And that's why God put them in the garden. Because as we said earlier, the garden is a beneficiary only of the light, a ray of the Shekhinah. If you want to bring God himself there, that requires man's, man's work. Tshuva, which comes from the lowest world. And Adam and Chava were placed in Gan Eden to do this. However, now, now based on that, so based on this, the Tzemach Tzedek says, by the way, this is all that we're learning so far today is a, besides the first few lines that we learned at the beginning, is all the commentary or the footnote, if you might say, of the Tzemach Tzedek. We can understand that there's a certain redundancy or there's a certain repetition that we find in the verse. What's the repetition? In one verse it says, God planted a garden in Eden. And he sat man down over there. He sat the human being. He sat man, the human, into... He settled him. He settled the human into the garden. Now, a few verses later. It says, Hashem took man and he put him, he placed him in the garden of Eden. 
So hold it, you told us already earlier, Vayasem Shamas Adam, and he placed man over there. And now it says again, God took the human and he put him there. So why twice? Based on what we're learning now, we can understand that it's not referring to the same man. Beautiful idea. The second time it says that God took Adam and he put him there, it's referring to the human Adam. He went and he put him in the Garden of Eden. But the first time it's not talking about Adam, Adam and Eve. It's talking about the supernal man. God initially placed the supernal man, the, the divine being, he put him in the garden. Now hold it, didn't we say earlier that we need to do we need to do the work on our own to make that happen. That doesn't happen by God. The answer is God doesn't do something once. We, we can never do it. He's got to do it once. And after he does it once, he lets us take over. So if the first thing when God created the garden, he right away wanted to let us know that he's not interested in this garden just being powered by his emanations. He wants to be there. So he took the supernal man, which is really himself, and he placed him in the garden. Then he said, listen here, I'm here, but only temporary. I'm leaving, never to come back again, God forbid, unless you bring me in. So in order for you to bring me in, let me show you how to do it. So he takes, for that reason, he goes and he brings the human being down here, and he puts him in Tigan Eden, and anything that the human being down here is going to do through the Torah and the mitzvahs, through the heaven and the earth in the human, through his service, especially the heaven in the human, this Human, the human being serving God with love, he's going to bring the supernal man to continuously visit the Garden of Eden. That's the repetition. That's why the Torah says it twice. Two different stories. The question he asks over here, Okayful Indian, this seems to be a, re a, a repetition. It says already, that he placed the human being over there. The idea is the It's stated elsewhere, Al Pasuk, in the blessings we make by a wedding are seven blessings. And we say, Samach to Samach, This friends, this couple who love each other, rejoice. Like your, the one who formed you, brought you joy in the Garden of Eden. That's one of the blessings we say. Rejoice now, and just like God was the one who brought you joy in the Garden of Eden. The deeper meaning is, simply it's just like God brought about, facilitate the first wedding. So now we continue our weddings, and we should try to like recognize we're supposed to have joy. And God made that, that, that wedding very joyous. So we should also make it joyous. Kind of, that's the blessing. The deeper meaning is that our human marriages should reflect the divine marriage that took place in Gan Eden on the supernal level. It's not referring to Adam and Eve. It's referring to the supernal man and the supernal woman, Hashem and the Shekhinah getting married in Gan Eden. God's marriage. And now God says, you two get married. 
And by you, physical, mortal human being and your wife, and you treat your wife with the right dignity and respect, and she treats her husband with the right thing, and you live in a hormonal, peaceful existence, your marriage is going to bring, is going to, is going to facilitate that and create and stimulate the supernal marriage between HaKadosh Baruch Hu and the Shekhinah. It's happening on two worlds, on two realms. So in the same way, it's over here as well. We see the Torah repeating the story twice of the man going to Ganeda. So, just like in the beginning of the creation of the world. God was self-motivated. Just like creation in, 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 in its... What sparked creation? Spark creation wasn't us because we didn't exist to, 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 to spark it. God had to spark it himself. But then God relies on us. We know every Rosh Hashanah. It's our work to re-engage him and re-stimulate him. So he does it. He, first it's from above and then it's dependent on us. The same is also in, in, in the Garden of Eden as well. That his presence, the first visit, he did on his own. So, this is what it means it says in the beginning. He placed over there, doesn't say, it's interesting, it says, that's why it doesn't say God created, the God placed over there the man that he made. It says he placed the man that he formed. Making is referring to the human, the physical human, because we exist in the world of Asiya, the world of action. The man that he formed is a higher man, the supernal man. It's like he formed himself into a man. The supernal man. That's why he doesn't say Like we say, he forms light. We're talking about supernal lights. We're not talking about the. We're talking about a man of light, a, a godly being. Then comes the next verse. The next verse that says that God took the person and he put and he put him in God. That's referring to the human man down here, the earthly human. God put him into the Garden of Eden, to work the garden, and to guard the garden, which means that from now on, now God wants us to activate it through mitzvahs and through our love to him and as we discussed earlier how we activate this um yeah kitzer now this now does a summary this is the meaning of the heaven what does heaven mean tshuva heaven inside of us is the is this powerful love that's called tshuva The, 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 the love of the Balchuv, the fiery love. Mamshech Kisi, that's what draws down the throne, which is the concept of the ancient of days sits down. What does a throne mean? That the ancient of days, meaning God himself, sits down. We, we learned about this last week. And even though most, most closest to us, the sitting down is taking place, in this air pin, in the small, in the small face, in the small, in the levels of the divine that's 
constraint already in vessels, but really it's reverberating much higher, all the way up in Atik Yom in the ancient of days, that he too is sitting there. The sitting is, it's, and what does the sitting down mean? That he rides in the heavens. The heavens cause him, that's the heaven, the tshuva, is what drives him down. And then God places man over there, so now that we understand what heaven is, remember the mimer is based on the concept that there is the heaven that there is today. There is the earth that there is today. And then there's going to be the new heaven and the new earth that's going to come in the time of Mashiach. So we're still exploring what is the heaven of today. So we find out that it's more than just the blue sky <laughs> and the earth. Referring to this incredible phenomenon of, 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 of our, our in unbelievable ability that we have to, to create the right heaven to be a throne for God. But what's the earth? So the idea is that through our heavenly yearnings and our, and our spiritual quests, reaching into the deepest yearning of the soul, we do we drew we do draw God down into creation, into Ganadin, and into the spiritual worlds, and maybe into our soul. But that's not the ultimate desire. That's not the ultimate purpose. The ultimate purpose is to bring it all the way down to earth. For that to bring it into the next stage, to bring it down into the material physical world. For that, it's not enough that we activate our heaven. We have to activate our earth. Now, heaven sounds very exciting to activate. What does it mean to activate earth? Earth is our humility. And what's which context of our humility? Now, the context of the humility is that we lower ourselves down to do all the chores that God, God gives us to do that maybe are not as exhilarating and as spiritually electrifying and as exciting. God gives us responsibilities. God wants us to take care of such and such. God wants us to do physical mitzvahs. They're not as, the, we're not, we don't trip out on them. Like we're talking about these fantastic spiritual, um, 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 what's it called again, meditative journeys. We're talking about daily responsibility, helping people, doing good in the world, um, sometimes doing mitzvahs that we have no desire. And why do we do them? Because we're humbled before God. And if it's God's will, we do it. So when we lower ourselves down so much, it's the opposite of the excitement, the fervor, the melting into God. When we, the melting into God is hitting the gas. The, the, the humility that we're talking about is hitting the brakes. You, you control your, your spiritual appetites and desires and you focus your energy downward into the world. That humility causes God to be humble as well. And he descends not only to heaven, he comes all the way, all the way down to earth. He puts his feet down on the earth. That's what the verse says. The earth is my footstool where God puts his feet. That means he lowers himself down, down, down. But we need to channel that down. We're responsible for everything. That's the point. 
in order in order to draw down the heaven that heaven should be God's throne that comes to our desire for God like a woman desiring her husband this comes from our feminine waters this is all our might all of our yearning we're being driven crazy with desire for God which is called the Ratzo. Ratzo means the racing, the racing of our excitement. That we are from below upward, which means we are seeking to break the constraints and the constrictions and to soar upward into the infinite. But the, 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 the idea that the earth is my footstool, that's the opposite, that's the descent. The descent downward into, which means by us, it means, it's not our right side related to the right side of our soul, but the left side of the soul, which is the power of constraint, which also is the power of harsh harshness. we got to be harsh on ourselves. In which sense? We lower ourselves down. We deflate our spiritual egos. And we say, what? You're, you want to melt into God? You want to like, you want to crash into God? Who do you think you are? Go stand in the back of the line. Kind of that, that understanding. Who, who do you even think you are? That's the humility that throws us back. We become intimidated by his greatness and we move back. And you say, that's no good. No, we need both. We need the, 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 the propelling that pushes us forward and we need the constraint that puts us back. One lowers themselves down to say, Me anochi, who am I? Asher avoy that I should come, Liskari Velamelech, to step close to the king. And you tremble and you fear from stepping close. With awe and with dread. Like it says, The people saw by the giving of the Torah. And they saw the awesome light. So notwithstanding the fact that on the one hand, they were so excited to, 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 to race up the mountain or to, to, to allow their souls to, to come to depart their bodies and to melt into Hashem. Yet it says, the verse says, the people saw, they trembled. And therefore, they held back and they stood at a distance. It was as a counter force to their their excitement they had a, an opposite dread and a fear and, and and as a result of that what does that mean doesn't mean you'll leave the palace goodbye you go home it means you accept upon yourself the yoke of heaven the accept upon yourself the yoke of heaven the yoke of heaven means even when it's not exhilarating to serve god even when i don't it's not giving me goosebumps it's not giving me the the butterflies in my stomach i'm not experiencing like the tingling in my hands and feet but 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 i'm i'm devoted i'm a devoted servant what i share whatever god wants of me i'm doing sometimes it's boring sometimes it's 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 you know i, I would rather be doing something else but i do it anyways because of commitment because 
I've surrendered myself completely to what I should be doing, whatever God wants me to do in this world. We accept upon ourselves the yoke of heaven. With fear, and dread. Like it says, one of the commandments in the Torah is that we should appoint a king. Appoint upon yourself a king. What that means is appoint God as your authority. So God is not only this awesome being to melt into, he's also an authoritative figure that we listen to. Through this type of an arousal, since everything in heaven is dependent on us, so therefore when we have this type of an arousal, not of love, but of dread and of fear, the Kabbalists, accepting the yoke of heaven, which causes us to stay focused on our mission down here in the world, that we lower ourselves down, we fear from stepping close. And we accept upon ourselves oil mitzvahs, the yoke of the mitzvah, of the commandments. So simultaneously and um, correspondently, we cause above in the same manner. We cause God to also be humble and that he should lower himself down also into this world, into the, into the physical dynamics of this world. And that's really awesome. That God himself descends into the physicality of this world, into the material things that is what to sanctify and make this world holy. And eventually we will see that light. Uh, and how does God descend into this world when we do a physical mitzvah? Not only us doing the mitzvah, Hashem is present and Hashem is now fully vested and enclosed in something physical. And this is what it means, God says, and the earth, that means when you behave like earth, humble, like earth, everybody steps on earth. Earth is like, right? You, you lower yourself down to the earth. What does that cause? Hadoim Ragli, you bring my feet down. And I put my feet down on earth. I step down on earth. I extend myself all the way into the physical. This is measure for measure. Just like we descend ourselves. That we should be in a state of fear, which is which is from a distance. The same is also he lowers and is drawn from above light and revelation in material things in in through our physical mitzvahs that we do. When this is the meaning and the earth Earth means humility, but earth in particularly also relates to accepting God's kingship. That's called earth. Why is accepting God's kingship called earth? Because the attribute of Malchus, of kingship above, is, is the divine earth. Keter, the crown, is the divine heaven. And the lowest sphere is the divine earth. Malchus is called earth. 
So when we acknowledge kingship and we submit to kingship, then we're activating the earth itself. And that's the earth. It's the acceptance of the yoke of heaven, which causes us, it, return, it, it, it causes us to stay focused on our responsibilities and on our and our and to return to our vessels Hanal, and that is Adam Ragli that's God's where God can place his feet now, now that we have an idea what means heaven and earth, our heaven and earth, through our heaven and earth, we're really attaching God to the world today. Not just his rays, but he himself. We're enriching the, through heavens, we're enriching this, the Gan Eden. One day we'll experience all that light. And through, through um, our, our, uh, our earth, our acceptance of the yoke of heaven, we're, we're, touching, we're touching God down onto earth. However, after we are done doing our part in creating a heaven and an earth for God, giving him a throne and giving him a footstool, to sit down and also to put his feet all the way down. We give him both. God says, once you do it and you're done, then I'm going to do my part. I'm going to give you a heaven and an earth. But my heaven and earth is just going to follow yours. And boy, oh boy, is that going to be a heaven and an earth so much more powerful than what you've created. But if God then will give us a much higher heaven and earth, would we think that our heaven and earth that we created then will look silly? almost like we worked so hard and we've created the heaven and the earth for God and it's and, and God comes and he sits there for a little bit and then he says but now let me show you what I can do and he'll give us the although it'll be an and it'll be unbelievably more incredible as we'll soon see why but it's a little bit insulting to us because he's saying you know you, you guys can only do baby you know little 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 toys you know I can do the real thing so that's why the verse is going to say in the end, that our toy heaven and our toy or our mini, our miniature heaven and earth that we've created, although we realize now it's not so miniature, it's huge, but yet it's called minuscule compared to what God does. God says, I will never dismiss that. I will always keep that in my window and it will always be before me because that's really what excites me more even than my heaven and my earth. Not only that, I will take your heaven and, and, and your earth and I will integrate it into my heaven and that means it will forever, ever, ever in the in the infinite days of Mashiach, when we will be going into such crazy lights and such crazy revelations, we will always feel that it's connected to what we've created with our small heaven and earth, because our heaven and earth will be enmeshed into the into the ultimate heaven. And earth. That's why God says we'll see in the end of the verse. I want to put that out now. Now we're going to learn how God's heaven and earth is like, whoa, way above ours. So we should expect like some, some spectacular stuff happening way beyond. But yet, it won't, it won't 
dwarf our our work and 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 mitigate it and 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 make our work be meaningless our work will always stand and and and, and always be special and forever be noticed acknowledged and recognized as what triggered everything as we shall see and it calls it all of this who atas now that the influence from above nimsheches is drawn all the divine flow into the cosmos whether above and eventually down to earth like we discussed earlier to the heaven to the earth is all being stimulated through our where we are we are we're the ones pulling the lever we're the ones downloading it we are we are pumping the pump our work and that's called the raising of the feminine waters and we're doing the arousal from below which because after everything is said and done it's being done by us it has a certain limitation which being that god is reciprocating to us therefore his reciprocation is to is to a certain degree measured by how how powerful ours is so there's a limit because he's responding to us so it's with a limit according to the quality of our service of our raising of feminine waters he loves us back based on our love he's reciprocating so so it is the arousal from above and the drawing of mad stands for mad masculine waters mad stands for mayan duchrin masculine waters which means we are stimulating the love and he is the man who is being stimulated by our advances to him our desires to be close to him he's that's what's pulling him in and being that we are still small so then even when we're bringing him in and he's who he is it's still with a certain limitation the high new, and where is that felt didn't we say that thought that we're getting god himself we're getting god himself why is that limited yeah you know why because on the heavens it says is his throne when a person sits down yet he's lowering himself down but what part is kind of going on the throne is back which means even though we're getting him we're getting his back But his front, which means his side of him that's facing him, not down, is not is not revealing itself yet. Even in Ganeid, and even with all the lights that are taking place up there because of what we do today and lighting up the Ganeid, it's God's back. It's like Hashem says to Moshe, you'll see my back and not my front. Emphasized in the concept that it says Hashemayim Kisi, the throne, the heavens are my throne. I know in Hashemayim Kisi, Shuhu. What does that mean? It's happening through our Shemayim, through our desire. and the earth is his footstool. That's our our shu. And he's going to say this idea that it's the back in a moment. He's going to get to it. I thought he's saying it over here. He's going to say it soon. Avala asad but in the future, when? 
when we enter into the seventh millennium, which is less, it's just a little over 200 years from now, that doesn't mean that Mashiach comes then. That's already post-Mashiach. That's the era after Mashiach when God is really going to accelerate his light and his presence in this world. At that point, the, the system of the six days, and that's like going into Shabbos. So the, six, the system of the six days where we're the ones who are producing the heaven and the earth, God says, now, it's, now you rest, now I'm doing the heaven and the earth. Um, but in the future, in the seventh millennium, that's going to be the time of the main reward. In other words, the primary time for reward for all of our efforts is not in is not in 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 paradise. It's not in Ganeden. In Ganeden, God is throwing a little nash to keep us busy. He's throwing bags of chips. You know, <laughs> he's keeping. We said earlier, God is coming down, but it's a very it's external. A little candy. The real revelation and the real reward is going to be on earth when in the seventh land. That's why there's going to be the resurrection. All souls come down here. So on that time, it says, about that era is where it says in the same Haftorah, where it says, Kisi in Isaiah, I forgot which chapter, where it says, that the heavens are my throne and the earth is my, it's somewhere in, in, this, in chapter 60 something. I think it's the last, if I'm not making a mistake, it's the last chapter in Isaiah, Isaiah in, in Yeshaya. So over there it says, there's, in the beginning it begins, the heavens are my throne and the earth is my footstool. And in the end it says, like the new heavens that I am creating. That means God is saying, you're not creating it, I'm creating it. And therefore, it's going to be completely on a divine scale, not on, not on, not on God reciprocating to us. Like when the new heavens, and the new earth, and the emphasis over there in the verses, said that I am making them. And, and why is that heaven better or greater? Because instead of it being the throne where you put only the back, the verse says, those heavens and those earths is going to stand before me. Before me also can mean it's going to stand and I will reveal my, my inside. Lefanai means in front of me, but it also means my internal self. Me as I really am, not me as I'm projecting outward. Oimdem lefanai, they stand before me, pidish, ani oisa oisam ba'atzmi. I am going to make that heaven myself, God says. Built the Yisrusa de Latata, not depending it on your arousal from below. She'ein magia l'sham chenes Yisrusa de Latata. Our arousal from below is not touching over there, is not reaching over there, is not stimulating over there. Ki emuhu ba'atzma yizbarach oisa oisam. It's that God himself makes them built the Yisrusa de Latata klal without our arousal at all. Hashem is going to do it. And because He is going to do them, they're not limited in any way. And therefore, those heaven and earth, where we're going to be invited into that heaven and earth, 
Hashem is going, what's going to be with that oindel while they stand before him? His inner self will reveal itself there. It is above, above, from the heaven being a throne. Why? A throne is also, he's there. No, this is what we were saying earlier. On a throne, on a chair, is only the back of a person. Who sits on the throne. It can know that. And obviously, God is not a body. So, what do you mean sitting his back, his front? It means, as we know, that even in the supernal level of will, which is Keser, the crown, is the external part of the crown and the internal. Like we used, we learned about it many times, the terminology that we learn, a Kabbalistic terminology, the long face, which is the external part of the crown. Atik Yom, an ancient of days, which is the internal element. So this element of the Atik, of the inch, inside, has never been tapped. That's not revealed in the, in the, in the sitting down. That's going to be the new heavens. Like it says in the Mimer, the Etzle Omen. And therefore... And that's why regarding the new heaven and the earth, it says, They're standing in front of me. And since we're going to be going into somewhere infinitely deeper and higher, income in, in unmeasurably higher, because God is going to do it. And God is going to take us on a ride. For that reason, for that reason, it says in the future that who's going to lead us into that time? Mashiach, Mashiach Tzedkenu, the righteous Mashiach, the Messiah, Mashiach. And regarding Mashiach, what does it say? Yaskil Avdi, behold, my servant will be wise. Yodom, he will be elevated. Venisa, and he's going to be, no, Yaram is going to be exalted. Venisa is going to be elevated. Vagava Ma'oid is going to be very high. The leader of the Jewish people, Mashiach, he's going to, listen to these words. He will be, he will reach Yaskel, he will reach the highest intelligence. He's going to be exalted. He's going to be elevated higher than exalted. And very high. And he's not in the Mashiach going being so high, higher than anybody, higher than any period, higher than any, any, including Moses, higher than literally everybody, incomparably high. But the point of him being so high is not for himself, so that he can take us into that incredible revelation. So the Alter Rebbe says, I love this mimer because it talks about Mashiach so beautifully. All the worlds will be elevated. To, to, to the verses, to very, very high. I know, but what is the emphasis? He's going to be elevated to Ma'od, a high, a very high. Wow, so. If you remember earlier, we said, "How do we how do we stimulate 
in general, God's transcendent. Now, how do, how do we, how do we, how do we trigger the infinite? So we said earlier, we need to, we need to, we need to display our infinite. How do we display our infinite? When we tap our own heaven, which we displaced earlier, means this super rational love. Fine. How is that expressed in prayer? You will love God, your God, with all your heart. That's not it. With all your soul, it's all your powers of your soul. That's not it. With all your might, that means with your entire being. And how do you say might in Hebrew? With all your might. Through our service of God coming from all of our might, ma'od, from our might, because that's infinite, our essence of our soul, that's infinite. In the words that he used earlier, the, the transcendent parts of our soul, the highest, and, and through that we, we, we draw down the infinite. What does it say regarding Mashiach? That ma'od that we've always known, that that we've always known is going to be on steroids. What does that mean? He asked, the ma'od is going to be lifted up. That means that our might that, that we're going to is going to accelerate to such crazy levels of in other words, even Yahidashabanafish that we have now, which we think is like the highest yearning you can have from God, imagine God infusing energy into that and, and, and pumping it to like levels that we have literally God literally um 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 like 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 powering that with 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 infinite divine power so that we can we can yearn for him with with with, with yearnings that are just unfathomable that's the meaning the ma'od the ma'od that you've had the ma'od itself the very much of your soul is going to shoot up to unimaginable heights so if our heaven is going to be so much higher so in a sense, even though we're saying that God is doing it, it's still we're going to be doing it. But we're doing it not from within ourselves. We're doing it because He is doing. He, He will. He will rev rev up our engine. <laughs> He's going to press on the on the gas in our own soul. So. Of course, we're going to be activating it, but we're activating it by him pressing on the on the pedal, not us pressing on the pedal. And therefore, this it, this trigger is going to be on levels, and therefore the response to that. So it's considered that he's doing it, not we're doing it. And that's the meaning. The gava ma'od, what we have now as when we when we peek out at our ma'od, this ma'od is nothing because this is the ma'od. Of the neshama, this is the super, super, super powers of the soul as it is today. But the superpower of the soul, after Mashiach comes, Mashiach himself is going to accelerate our ma'od exponentially. The high noem that is kimavur lamailah, it is explained above. Hear these amazing words. Pidish Indian Shamayim and the explanation of what does it mean heaven? which means it's all your might. Chuvila, it's the higher chuva. 
Kenas Makiv. It's the super encompassing powers of the soul that are triggered. And we're working with our, with our, our, our capacity of super, of super, of super rational energy. Okay, however, what does it mean? The ma'od that we're going to experience then is going to be me from a level way above what we have today. It's going to be on the highest level or from any type of that we've ever known. Way beyond anything. And here, look, look, look at the look look at these brackets. Gavalf, I love it. Shebchinas b'chol ma'otcha because the parentheses now. Shebchinas b'chol ma'otcha because our b'chol ma'otcha that we have that we said earlier that we were been speaking about the whole discourse. Our excitement for God, our super rational excitement to God, triggered by being distant and far and frustration. All this, where is it coming from? Nimshach mepchinas yichida. It's coming from, remember we said, five powers to the soul, five names to the soul. And this is coming from the highest name of the soul, from our Yechida. But in the future, in the days of Mashiach, we're going to be visited by new souls. New souls. Souls that have never been in, been part of the human human experience. Newborn souls are going to be born with a capacity with a capacity that is I don't know not a million times more exponentially more than any soul that we've ever had you know why because they were never part of adam adam's soul all the souls that we have from beginning of time till now we're all part of the of, of adam arishon's neshama these are souls from outside of adam and therefore they're infused with godliness these souls will come down into the world and they will create energies now, it doesn't mean that they're going to just do it themselves. They're going to grab us along for the ride. We have to expect certain types of tzaddikim that are going to be born after Mashiach is here. Not just Mashiach himself, of course, Mashiach. But tzaddikim that are going to be born in the world, that are going to make all the tzaddikim we've ever known look like higher level, new souls. New souls Their oneness with God is higher than the level called Yechida. Sheba Adam Arishan. Adam Arishan had five levels of soul. His Yechida was the highest Yechida and only the biggest Sadiqim are rooted in his Yechida, such a deep, 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 high level. And yet the new souls of the future are going to be higher than Adam Arishan's even Yechida. As stated in the book of Gilgulim from the Arizal. Reish Parashvi, the beginning of the seventh chapter. Let's take a look at the origins in the Ari. Veda, you should know. Kiashne mine neshamas, says the Arizal. There are two types of souls. 
By the way, I'm just letting you know over here, this information we're teaching tonight is the coolest information. So if you're privy to be at this class, you have some really cool mouch. <laughs> this is the stuff that, that you know, because, you know, not too many people get to the end of this red book. You understand? This is like the mimer at the end of Shira Shira. I'm like, you know, come on, who's learning this? So just letting you know. There's two types of souls. One of them, those that are part of Adam's neshama, the bays, and the second type of neshamas, are those souls that are not part of Adam Arishon. And these souls are much higher and far Ma'ulim um, means of, of far higher stature. From all the souls that are part, part of Adamarish, they're of a different breed completely. And therefore, their capacities are levels that we don't even know. Their divine capacities. Now, the Alter Rebbe, the Alter Rebbe was one of these souls. That's why he brought, that's why he turned Judaism on its head. That's why he completely introduced the most radical novel ideas like has never been in Judaism. We say about the Alter Rebbe, he was a new Nisham. He's from this, he's from these. So these Nishamas, they start appearing at the end of exile. And mainly after Mashiach comes, when they will really pop up everywhere. And like we explained in the first chapter. Wait, so when he says the first chapter, he doesn't mean in this discourse. This is still the Arizal talking. In the book of incarnation, the Arizal says, like we explained in the first chapter, that, that Adam's neshama, koileles, includes menefesh tasia. It includes all the souls from the level of nefesh, which is the lowest level of soul, because there's five names to the soul. Nefesh, ruach, neshama, chai, So nefesh is the lowest. And within each, and these five levels exist in each world. Asiya, Yitzira, Bria, and Atzilas. So Adam's neshama included all the souls from the lowest level of the world of Asiya to the highest level of the world of Atzilas. But these are all the current souls, including the greatest mystics, rabbis, tzaddikim, and everybody. Menefesh ta'asiya ad yechida da'atzilas. Until the Yechida of the world of Atzilis. But those Nishamis that were not included in Adam Arishan, and Al they're higher and completely above. Now, what's going to happen in the seventh millennium? In the seventh millennium. Our souls, the, the souls that are of part of Adam's soul, are going to be crowned with those other souls. In other words, we're going to get a, 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 a hookup to those souls. We're going to like hitch up with them. These souls are going to serve as, as elevators for the lower souls. And they're going to invite us into that level of experience. They're going to take us along for the ride. 
Mehem. So how are we going to match up? There are those futuristic souls, our souls. Yet there is a similarity in the sense that this is nefesh, clicks with that nefesh. This is neshama, clicks with that nefesh. In general, those souls are a whole different level, but yet it's still in the it's still within the structure. So uh, the the nefesh of this will connect to the nefesh of those, and and as a result of that, they will lift. Well, really, this shouldn't be such a novelty to you what I'm saying right now, because we learned a class a few months ago called being when when you know being eaten by the souls of the future. Remember, we said that those souls of the future will eat us, and just like we eat the animal. We explained it doesn't mean eating in the regular sense. But it means that we will be integrated into them, assimilated into them. Look in the discourse where we speak about, it says, you will eat the one who eats. Today's days we eat the animal. And then we, which in other words, the eater will become the eaten. We will be uplifted by those. So we understand now, those souls will will create the new heaven and the new earth. But didn't God say, "I'm going to create it"? As we said earlier, those souls are not considered separate from God at all. But you should be considered this me, and there's a you, there's God, and they're just an extension of Hashem in this world. They're even deeper than Yechida. Yechidah means one, one with God, even higher than that. Their oneness is so perfect. So it's called God making it. They are, it's, it's one. So now in, in Midrash Rabba, Resh Pashas, Bereshis, Pasha, Av, Ravuna, Bashem, Rabbi Lezer, Benoish, Rabbi Yaseglili, Omar, Ravuna, in the name of Rabbi Lezer, the son of Rabbi Yaseglili says, Afilu Oisan Shekasa Behem, Kihinini Boirishamayim Chadashim. Even those that it says about them that I am creating a new heaven. So we would think this is a this is a phenomenon of the future because God says I will create it in the future. These souls are only uh, going to be around in the future. So the midrash says in the name of Rabbi Yosiaglili, even all these new futuristic powers, they're not really created in the future. They're there already from creation. Because creation is only once, but they're on standby. Those these are levels that have never been kind of introduced into our zone, into our reality. They're there. The heaven and the earth that we're talking about of the future exists already, exists already, but outside of our reality, including these souls also exist. They're not new in the future. Because not God is never creating anything new anymore. He's just revealing. So, even the new heavens of the future, they're already created in the six days of creation. This is why it says, the new heavens, they're standing currently before me, God says. They're new creations that I am making, but yet they're, they're new because it's new to, 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 to us. So since those heavens and the earth is related to the new souls of the future, so it's like it says in, in, in Sefer HaGigulim, that even the new souls are now 
were already created in the six days of creation. Now it makes more sense to understand how the Alter Rebbe can be such a song. Because it's not like totally new. It's just there. Once in a while, God drops one of those souls into the world when he needs to bring someone who's completely out of the box in their thinking. So you can't have someone, it can't be based on, on everything we've known. It has to be from, you know, like an Einstein type of, uh, like someone who throws everything off and like completely that idea. A revolutionary soul who revolutionizes everything. Then there will be a new heaven and a new earth. Then I am doing it on my own. In the next piece, Perik Hay, he's going to explain, notwithstanding the complete takeover by those futuristic souls and this new heaven and the earth which will uh, kind of stun the, the, the maybe we will say that our heaven and earth we will enjoy when the days of Mashiach like till the seventh millennium like it's another 200 years we will. but after that kind of we will be totally forgotten we will be taken over by these super souls and it will be almost like we're like like nobodies anything we're coming along for the ride but we're like Whatever. So that's why the verse continues and he says, so just like my heaven and earth standing before me, God continues and he says, so your children and your name will also stand before me forever. So he's going to explain that your children doesn't mean your children, it means your seeds that you've, seed, you've seeded, whatever you've seeded, and whatever you your name, which is referring to the mitzvahs and the fear of God that drove our mitzvah is the acceptance of heaven, which is called the name. Although it's of the inferior type that we've making today, God says, I'm not going to destroy that. I will always remember that, not just that. I will embed that in the future heaven and earth. So it will always be there. And you will always realize that everything that's happening in the future, you are responsible from your work that you did. This is, by the way, for the... To me, the source, the amazing teaching that the Rebbe teaches in Nun Beis, Nun Aleph Nun Beis, where the Rebbe teaches about that the whole idea of Geula is to reveal the Aleph in exile. And the Rebbe goes into explaining that there's three levels of Aleph. One level of Aleph is um, Alufa Shal Olam, the master of the world. The other level of Aleph is Aleph I will teach you wisdom, I will teach you understanding. And the third level of Aleph is Pele. And the Rebbe says, what that means is, you have to realize that even the most distant revelations that are going to happen in a billion years, no matter how far we're going to go, it's always going to be connected to the work we did in exile. It will, it, and because it's really produced by the work that we do in darkness. Although the level we're talking, and, and it's much what we're learning over here in the next piece, your name and your and your your children and your name. Let's let's read the next. I was gonna quit now, but let's do it. We're gonna go parakeh as well. So will 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 stand just like the new heavens that are standing before me. So your children and your name will always stand before me. 
What does that mean? Hine yedua, it is known. Through the fulfillment of mitzvahs in this world. During this period of time of the current world is when God gave us time to do mitzvahs. We add lights above. We add godly illumination like we said earlier. We are the ones who light up that. We light up, we light up paradise, we light up Ganadin. But we know that the main bulk of the light that we're lighting up is going to be revealed in the days of Mashiach. The is Asad Lava, it's going to be revealed in the future. When he says in the future, he doesn't mean the new heaven and the new earth. He means like this. The way I, I was, I was a little bothered with this before, but now it, it came clear to me. There, there, there is various different periods. There is, there is currently Ganeden, and our mitzvahs that we do down here cause fireworks in Ganeden. Good way of putting it: fireworks in Ganeden. Fine, party in Ganeden from the mitzvahs we do now. But that's only considered a little ray of our mitzvahs. The real reward of our mitzvahs and the real display of our mitzvahs is going to be in the next stage, which is called Yemois HaMashiach, the days of Mashiach. That means after Mashiach is revealed, speedily today, and we have a third temple, in that period of time is when the real fireworks are going to go off. Meaning the real powerful lights of our of our mitzvahs that we've done, our seeds will sprout. What we've planted will sprout with spectacular, powerful revelations down here, greater than Ganed. But that's not yet the seventh millennium. Then comes the seventh millennium. Seventh millennium is when God does, God is rewarding us. That's not reward, that's just reaping the re the work that we planted. That's not reward. Reward is that now God said that your mates, my world, so beautiful, let me reward you. I'll give you something that you didn't do. So the reward is next. That's the new heaven and the new earth that God is going to create in the seventh millennium. That's even higher than the days of Mashiach. That's called Elaf And that's what we were learning earlier, in which we're going to be taken to levels that are just out. So, but our work and our seeds is also not something to sneeze at. And it's going to be revealed in the days of Mashiach. However, we might believe that our plantings that we planted and our name, as we're soon going to see, this idea, all of our will be meaningful in the days of Mashiach. But once we go into the seventh millennium, it will be totally forgotten. So that's what Hashem is saying. No, I'm the... Your name, your plantings, and your names will always will always be etched. So that's the idea. The nikra. So this that is revealed in in Asad Lavoi in the days of Mashiach. The nikra b'shem zriya and it's called sowing and and growth and sprouting. We sow now, we plant now, and we reap the the the, the fruits of our labors in the days of Mashiach. 
These three discourses that discuss this at great length that we sow now, but the revelation of it happens in the future, Ayn Shop. This is like planting a seed. We plant the seed in the earth. So which means like this, we think we're doing something tiny, something small. What did I do already? I cooked dinner for someone who needed dinner, you know. Someone, my neighbor, like, you know, fell down, broke. I asked them if, if I could help them. And they said, uh, I asked them, what you, you know, are you able to take care of it? You know, I'll, I'll bring you chicken soup. I'll, I'll bring you something. Oh, it's a small little deed. Like, almost don't go noticed. It's a seed. It's a seed of divinity. We plant a small thing. But when you plant the seed, what happens? The power in the earth, which is much greater than your seed, takes that seed and it blasts it out as an entire tree comes out. So the divine power that God put in the earth that to, to be activated by the small deeds that we do. With so much added and so much and with such it's such quality. And he, oh. This is a beautiful but frustrating thought. But beautiful at the same time. It's frustrating. You'll see why in a moment. Mm. The longer the seeds sit in the ground, and the longer it takes for them to sprout, the more, the higher the quality plantings uh, uh, growths are going to be. Which is the Horrific excuse of why it's taking so long for Mashiach to come. Because it's going to be much better by the time it grows. God is keeping those seeds hidden and hidden and hidden. Because the longer they sit buried in the earth, before they shoot out, they're going to be, the, the, the garden is going to be of, of greater. So it's a, it's a beautiful thought, but frustrating because that's what's driving us insane that it's taking so long. The longer our mitzvahs that we've done, that are buried in this earth. It will be on the earth will then produce a better seed. I'm sorry, a better plant, a better fruit tree, or whatever it is. The same way, by way of analogy, the duration of time of what we call the time of darkness that we can't, that we don't see light. But this is when we get things done. We can only get things done in the time of darkness. This is the time of planting. We plant in supernal earth. When we, plant, when we do a mitzvah here, it's getting planted in the Shekhinah, which is called earth. And from there it will sprout forth. Through the mitzvah. But the planting... Is going to be in the days of Mashiach in the future. And that is the reason. Now, Zarachem means your seeds like planting, but it also means your seed representing the idea of pregnancy. Also, it's a form of planting. It's placed in the seed, which creates a, a child. The longer the child is in the womb, you know, children, babies that come out earlier and faster, 
are generally not that healthy. And times past, these babies didn't couldn't uh, preemies didn't didn't live. Today's days, we have better systems uh, to be able to keep the kids in incubators and keep them kind of and and bring and, and bring them to good health. Um, the same idea. You know, you want the baby to be there full term. And the longer, at a certain point, it's so. But it's the same. The idea is that you plant, and it's not visible immediately. So exile, and this whole period of time is the same. Is what we're doing? We're creating Mashiach in the hidden world. Mashiach is being born, and this is where it explains the sadness of what we're going through right now, which is the, the pangs of birth, contractions, because we're holding literally at the birth. Like it says, that Zion has cramped. She, she went into labor. Zion went into labor. We, the Jewish people, are now in labor. The world is now in labor. And somewhere we can say, and the longer, God forbid, this concealment lasts, which means that our mitzvahs are not yet revealed to the world. They remain in the hidden state. Hi, know what does that mean? That the exile continues indefinitely, very long until the days of Mashiach, which frustrates everybody. Yet we know the reason for this delay is for what reason? And the, and, and, and the time of the resurrection, it gets pushed off. It's, 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 it seems like it's... it's we always think it's here and it's not here yet. God forbid. Show and, and 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 what happens during this time? All the all the divine energies that we're activating are concealed. During this entire waiting period, all the godly lights that we brought to the world is concealed. It's all like a seed that's covered by the earth. Or like a fetus that's within the mother, so you don't see the baby. And the longer it takes, what does the Alter Rebbe say? The growth in the future is going to be It's going to be with greater, so much. It's going to be so much more powerful. Vizahu, hear these words. There's an incredible, beautiful prophecy regarding Mashiach's time of the redemption. Zehu, and this is what it says. Va'amar ba'yoyimahu. I. You will say on that day, Va'amar ba'yoyimahu. It's one of the one of the verses we say by our kafetz. And Atarisa, sadly, this there, you know, in the midst of all this, what was going on in the world. Va'amar ba'yoyimahu. So I'm including this pain because, well, what's going to happen? That you will say on that day. This is my God. You will, and it says you will point with your finger. And you, God says to each and every one of you, you will say, this is my God, you will point. <coughs> we hope for him all the time. And he, and he saved us. In other words, even though you're waiting and waiting and waiting, and, and at times you are ready to throw in the towel. You were ready to give up and say, forget it, I'm, I'm out. But you didn't give up. And you wait and wait. In the end, you will point with your finger and say, this is the one we've been waiting for. 
this is God. We hope for him. And now we're rejoicing and sing, we're, we're delighting and singing and dancing in his salvation. That's the simple meaning. The deeper meaning. The deeper meaning. It's not like, oh, we've been waiting for God and God in the end showed up. He showed up. Nice. He will say on that day, Zasha, this revelation that we're having right now, that we that we're ready, Kivinulo, we channeled him. This is what we've been doing all this time. This is what has been brewing. This is what we created. We're not going to feel like, oh, God is awesome. He came and he saved us. Oh, we're going to realize that all that godliness was us. And that's the meaning. The word kivinu means hope. Also means we've channeled him. Because the word kivinu means we made him into kav. Kav, there's three kav and there's three channels. One side is Torah. One side is prayer. And one side is mitzvahs. These are the three channels, chesed, gevurit, teferes, through which Hashem channels his light into the world, which we, which we create through our mitzvahs that we do. So we channeled him. You will realize then that all that, thing, and, and again, as he said, the longer it takes, the, the, the more powerful it's going to be. We still don't agree that it should be any longer because we've, we've, we've done enough. We've done more than enough. The baby's going to be pretty beautiful already. We're, 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 we're. So um, let's read it inside. You will say, We hoped for him. The godly light that is going to be revealed to us now. You're going to say, Then you're going to say, All this divine revelation that's happening, that we're, we're finally experiencing it, who Al Yadeh was created through Shekivinu Loy. What does that mean? Simply, it means we hope for him. The deeper meaning. We channeled him into channels. And we've, we've, we've downloaded him. The entire period of time in which it says today is the time to do them. We do the mitzvahs. We download it now. Although the download is concealed. It's only that our wonders we don't see. We don't see what we ourselves are doing. But now, but then we're going to say, then we're going to say, wow, this was really right. And now, we see. He's saying what we're going to say then. Now we finally get to see what we've been told all along. We're doing, but we didn't see it. Now we're in, in a way of revelation. And we say, this is him. That we've been channeling. Look in Midrash Rabbah. And that's called our planting. And he's, as he's going to explain now. Our seeds that we've been planting. Now, by the perfectly righteous, by the holy tzaddikim, by the saintly people, it says, that light is planted in the tzaddik. That means, I think the way I understand what he's saying is, Tzadikim, they kind of have these lights already today. The light has been planted for them already. So they experience godliness. They see godliness. To them, it's, it's the world is full of light. They pain the pain because we're pain. But 
in their own personal experiences, the Baal Shem Tov, they, they see the lights. So for them, the light is already, Zarua, Zarua means it's, the light is already planted. But by Bali Tshuva, by all the rest of us that are called Bali Tshuva, penitents, Ksiv Ashrechem, it says, fortunate Zoyre al Kolmayim, who are planting over the waters, planting seeds next to the water. What does that mean? for the righteous, for them it was already planted. Avala Bali Tshuva, but the, the penitents, they keep on planting now. We're only busy making seeds. We don't see our lights. We can't see this incredible godliness. But the Navi promises us. What does the Navi promise? The prophet promises us and he says, So will stand your, your seeds. Now, this planting that we've planted, of all the good deeds that we've done. And your name, what does that mean? Before we can plant the seed of godliness in this world, first we have to accept God's kingship. Then we can do it. Because mitzvahs are only powerful and only have its desired effect when they come as a result of a deeper servitude. We can't do mitzvahs just because we feel like it, we love it, we like this mitzvah, it feels good. The mitzvah needs to be based on a subservience. I know I'm God's servant and I'm doing his mitzvahs. And that's called your name because kingship is called a name. I'm not going to get into it right now. It's kingship is the attribute of, of like we say, I'm just going to give an example, a proof to that. We say, Baruch Shem Kevoid Malchusay. Blessed is the name of his glorious kingdom. So that's shame related to Malchus. So what it's saying is, all of your mitzvahs that you've done and all of your name, which means all of your acceptances, that you accepted God's kingship when you didn't see him, experience him when it was in the dark. And yet, yet we, we plowed through and we did his mitzvahs. that David made a name. Which is the acceptance of the yoke of heaven. Which is before the acceptance of mitzvahs. First, one should accept upon himself the yoke of heaven. Afterwards, we accept the mitzvahs, the yoke of mitzvahs. Why? Remember we said earlier, a mitzvah is a seed. Where do you have to plant it? It's to plant it in the earth. Earth is the attribute of kingship, which is the Shekhinah, that's the earth. So you first need to, you have, in order to get your seed into the earth, you have to have that, you have to be connected the soul has to be connected to the Shekhinah by us accepting the sovereignty of the Shekhinah. Then when we do an act, as a result of that, we're planting a seed in the Shekhinah, in the earth. To be able to make sprout forth this light. We first need to accept the yoke of heaven. And then, So, okay, so that's our seeds. So what the what the prophet what the prophet is telling us, don't think that this incredible accomplishment will be enjoyed for let's say two hundred years until the end of let's say Mashiach comes today. There's another two hundred and so years till the end of the till the beginning of the seventh millennium. So for doing this two hundred years, you'll enjoy your seeds. Afterwards, they'll disappear because there'll be a much greater heaven and a much greater earth. So he's saying no. Then your heaven and the earth that you've created now. Which is the earth is the throne. I'm sorry, the heaven is my throne. 
and the earth is the, my footstool. This is called your, your seeds and your name. Your racing and your return. I'm not exactly sure how to set that. Because according to the way we under, I, the way I understood now this part, both the seeds and the name are both related to mitzvahs. One is acceptance, the yoke, and the other one is doing the mitzvah as a result of that. But over here, suddenly he throws Zarachem Vishimchem back to the heaven and the earth. Your work that you've done in heaven and earth, the, 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 the rapturing of love and the drawing the energy down. But when he explained over here seeds and name, it seems both regarding our, our downloading godliness down here, not so much. So I'm not exactly sure where he finds the rutza here, the racing here. I don't know. But whatever it is, that gamkin lamid lafanai, that's going to remain standing before me. That too is going to tap me in my inside, like the new heaven and the new earth, which is, as we said earlier, registering in the inner element of God, not on the back. Your heaven and earth, which initially is only connected to God's back, is going to be upgraded into God's front, into the higher revelation. Which is higher than the heaven is my throne. Because on the throne you can only sit your body, not your head. And 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 but once I upgrade your heaven and your earth into my heaven and earth, then it's going to be the fun now in front of me, in front of my face, which is which is the head, which is much higher than what is going on the throne. There's one more piece over here. But after that, there is a beer. So I'm going to leave this one more piece because to finish next week. Simply, I didn't even learn it yet. And then we're going to begin next week the beer on the Mimer because I'm sure that will enrich the whole thing. We'll make a siyam on the Torah even though we didn't learn everything yet. We'll at least have done the last Mimer. So let's try to do it one more week. A lot to learn next week then. But let's hope to do maybe a marathon next week. And uh, Bezashem, before that, Mashiach should be here already.